Welcome, Parkview. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, Homer. Happy Easter, New Linux. Amazing, amazing things going on. I just want to tell you, next weekend, wear your bear stuff, okay? I know it's the wrong season, okay? But we have Sam Acho coming, linebacker for the Bears. He is the Walter Payton nominee the last two years because of his, uh, his work, especially in Nigeria. And uh, I just like to have a conversation with these guys every once in a while. So I'm going to be here. We're going to be doing this together. We're going to be talking. Um, just, it's just fun for us to get to ch a chance to talk to somebody who's living the life of Jesus in the middle of a place that uh, most of us can only wonder what that's going to be like. So, uh, so be here next weekend. I'm working on the Sister Jean interview. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. I'll let you know, okay? Um, my guess is that most of you know what we're going to talk about today, okay? Pastor invited all the kids to come up front one time to do children's sermon. They used to do that in churches, and, and he invited them all to come up front. And it's kind of one of those times. Some of you went to churches where that was the only thing you ever learned was when they did that little moment, right? I, I get that. And, and he had, held up a picture of a frog, and he told all the little kids, he said, well, what do you think of when you see this, this picture? And one little boy said, Jesus. And the pastor's like, how does a frog remind you of Jesus? And the little boy said, because I know you didn't invite us down here to talk about frogs. <laughs> you, you know why you're here, right? I mean, this is of first importance, the Apostle Paul said, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the first important thing for all of us. So welcome. We're glad that you're here. I almost bought this T-shirt to preach in. I thought it'd be too distracting. Hashtag you only live once, LOL. Just kidding. Be right back. Come on. That's social media funny right there. It's a crazy idea, and it's a little hard to explain the whole thing of life and death, right? I mean, my, uh, that was my granddaughter in my arms at the end of that video. She's two, and my, my daughter and I were talking about how, how hard Easter is to, to process with a two-year-old. I mean, Christmas, you know, Jesus is born. Even Easter, he's alive, but the whole Good Friday thing, why was he dead? Why, why, what happened? How and, and why did Jesus die is hard to explain. Just the concept of life and death is hard to explain. I had my three-year-old grandson uh, at Bass Pro Shop over Christmas. Um, you know, I had to buy something for a redneck friend, so I, w I was there. And uh, Charlie was a little bit more than, you know, freaked out by the Bass Pro Shop bear. I don't know if you've been up there in Bolingbrook, but they, they got this stuffed bear up there, right? And I went up and I, I explained to him, hey, you know, it's okay. The bear is dead. Here's a picture of Charlie and Georgie in their Easter outfits. They're looking good. It's styling, baby. And, 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 and I said, don't worry, he's dead. And Charlie's three, so he said, why? <laughs> why, Papa? Why is the bear dead? What do you do with that? I mean, I can't say, well, maybe he got old because he thinks I'm old. I am old, and he's going to worry that I'm going to die, right? Or I can't bring up hunting. I'm not, I'm not ready to deal with that yet, although he's from Tennessee. He might as well figure it out. I, I went with... Well, maybe he got hit by a car. This <laughs> is all I can think of. I don't, I don't know. I just was like, you know, he's seen dead deer by the road, you know, and plus it's a good way to reinforce, you know, road safety. So I, I figured, well, you know, why not, right? So, so he went with it. Then we go into Petland. Petland's a great pet store right in there in that Bolingbrook area, and you can go in and you can play with the puppies. I'm like, let's go see the puppies. And I, I mean, just with a straight face, as we're walking in, Charlie said, Papa, will the puppies be dead too? 
No, 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 little buddy. He's, he, he, they're going to be alive. Jesus is alive, alive and dead. What? What is that all about? Well, it's about everything. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. It's hard for me to process, isn't it? Now, let me tell you a story that happens on Easter Sunday. We find it in the Gospel of Luke, not one maybe necessarily you've heard before. It's in, it's in here, and it's a kind of a, a side story to the biz, big resurrection picture. Jesus' followers are, are hanging out together. I mean, just imagine, right? He's crucified. They've all, run, they've all run off, but they're probably huddled up together somewhere, hiding out. Saturday, they can't go anywhere because they're Jews, and that's the Sabbath, and they're not allowed to, and, and plus they're going to do Passover together and all that stuff stuff anyway, probably. But now it's Sunday, okay? And the Bible plops us down into a scene where these two believers are, are giving up, okay? They're, they're, just, they're, just, they're just giving up. They're leaving. Important to note that it's Sunday. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they're talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things together, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. After his resurrection, he, he messed around with people, okay? You'll see this. Pretty fun. But they were kept from recognizing him, and he asked them, what are you guys talking about as you walk along? Look at this. They stood still, their faces downcast. Uh, let me help you process it. These guys are followers of Jesus. They'd heard that Jesus rose from the dead, but they've lost hope. They're going home. And I just bring that up because maybe you've wandered into our services, maybe you're watching online, and that's where you're at. You know, you, you've heard the story before. It's familiar. You know, I'm not going to talk about frogs. You get that. But your life is dark. You're, you're down. Let, let, me, let me show you this again. Downcast, right? Their faces were downcast. So that, that's hopeless. That's dark. I, I picture it being a, a gray, lousy day in Palestine, and they're on this road to Emmaus, okay? It doesn't, doesn't matter where that is. Emmaus for us, figuratively, metaphorically, it's the, it represents the place where we're going when the bottom has dropped out of our world. Maybe that's you. You've heard the story. You just... I'm not sure you believe it anymore. Things didn't turn out the way that you wanted. Relationship fell apart. There was, there was a death, a financial crisis. Your health is suffering. It's dark. You're on the road to Emmaus. Now, maybe you're feeling the road to Emmaus because you just realize you're getting older. You're not going to be around forever. We had fun with my dad this weekend. My dad turned 80 on, on Good Friday, okay? And since I have to work, you know, um, he came over, they came over and we, and we hung out together, went to Chewy's for lunch and just had a blast together. And my, my folks live in Fort Wayne, Indiana, just so you know, don't ask. I'm not from Indiana. Okay. They moved there 28 years ago, right after we moved to Illinois to take this church. My parents, my dad took a church over in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And we know who made the right move, right? Again, they're in Indiana and I'm in Illinois, okay? So someday there is a chance I'll still have money if they leave me some because they're from Indiana, okay? 
So, so you talk about a, a vivid reminder of life and death, though, man. I mean, talk about it. You got your birthday and, and Easter all together in the same time, and his 80th birthday. So we had him up on stage. We sang happy birthday to him. That was, uh, that, that's a shirt I bought him with the odometer rolling over. But you, 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 you see what I mean? I mean, like, so if, if, you're, if you're 80 years old and you don't have the hope of the resurrection, then you're on the road to Emmaus. All right. As you're getting older, you're like, man, I'm getting to the end of my life and I don't know what's going to happen. If you're 80 years old and you have the hope of Jesus, then, you, then you're going this way and it's okay. And even though, you know, the end of this life is happening, you have hope. These guys don't have any hope. I don't know what the deal was, but one of them named Cleopas, remember this name, asked him, dude, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know what's been going on around here? <laughs> They're talking to Jesus, but they don't know. Jesus like, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Let me show you this again. Just make sure. Okay. Catch that. Had. Past tense. We're on this road because we had hoped he was going to redeem Israel. What's more, the third day since all this took place, it's Sunday, and some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. This is not Saturday. This is not Friday night while Jesus is dead. Jesus has appeared to at least some of the women and we know this, if you look right before this passage, it says that they came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found what the, woman, what the women had said also. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others. Okay, I want you to see that. Okay, and the others. Pay attention to this because I'll come back to that. That's important. All these people have seen that Jesus is alive. They told the apostles, but they did not believe the women because their words seem to them like nonsense. On Sunday morning, they've heard the report. Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, saw the linen cloths. He went in and marveled at what had happened. So that's where they are. They stayed in Jerusalem long enough. I mean, if they'd left early that morning and they hadn't heard any of this, this story makes sense. The darkness, the downcast, the, the Emmaus road, that makes sense. But they stayed long enough to hear other people talking about the hope of the resurrection. I, I hope that happens to you. But I hope you do more with it than they do. This is just what's so fascinating. They should have had hope, but they left. And wait, it gets better, okay? I mentioned a few weeks ago that when an actual name is given, like Cleopas, that's because the gospel writers are writing to an audience of people at that time that would have known, I mean, they were all hanging out together. So evidently, the only reason they named, they named Cleopas as one of these guys is because everybody knew who Cleopas was, which is really fun when you go and you put it together with John's gospel. John wrote his version of this story later on and what he remembered of the story. And what he said was, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas. And Mary Magdalene. 
Are, are, are you processing? Mary, the wife of who? There probably weren't a lot of Cleopases around, okay? Not a, big, not a big name. So when Cleopas says, some of our women amaze us, they said they'd seen an empty tomb and angels, he's not talking about some of the women. He's saying, my woman, that's my wife, is one of those people I, I don't believe. I'm sorry if you've not been listening to your spouse recently. Uh, This is just all from the Bible, okay? I'm just telling you that right now. I didn't talk to anybody else. I'm not talking to you, sir, directly, okay? I wasn't talking to your wife. I'm just saying, if you haven't been listening to somebody's story, the hope of Jesus, it's all your deal. It's all fine. I'm just saying, this is deeper than we thought, okay? This isn't just, well, you know, Peter, he was, he's our leader, and he's, he's marveling at the resurrection. This isn't just, well, you know, some women, like Jesus' mom, I mean, she wants to believe this stuff, right? This is Mary, his wife, who has seen the empty tomb, who has told him the story, and he's still walking away from it. It just, it just it seems too unlikely It just can't, it's too dark. I can't believe it. I can't see it. I can't believe it. (laughs) Can I just say, sometimes you need to wait just a little bit longer, okay? Just be where you're supposed to be. Did you see the Blackhawks thing on Friday night with this guy that got in as a goalie? He was an accountant, okay? I mean, Scott Foster, like, okay, he played some D1 um, hockey. He's a, he's a good hockey player, but he never played in the NHL. He's 36 years old. He, I guess they have this deal where they don't keep a lot of backup goalies around, and the goalies went down, and he got the call. He's an accountant downtown. I mean, he was, like, doing tax returns, and, and then all of a sudden he has to go to the game to watch it, and then all of a sudden the second goalie goes down, and he gets called into the game and plays the last seven minutes for the Blackhawks. you got to see this video. He, this is his little nod at the end. Rudy, 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 right? I mean, this is that's so great. He's never played in the NHL before. He got seven saves in the last seven minutes of the game. Uh, Blackhawks aren't that good. They asked me to play, and I said no. But I'm just saying, <laughs> sometimes you just need to be where you're supposed to be. Where they were supposed to be was with their friends and their, their family, for crying out loud, because there were rumors that something amazing had happened. And of course, the real irony with this, we don't know why they were kept from knowing who Jesus was when he popped into their midst, but the real irony in this is that Jesus is with them and they don't realize it, which is another very important point. Thomas Long said, the risen Lord doesn't stand on a mountain a thousand miles away proclaiming that all is well. He comes right into the tough realities of everyday life. The risen Lord comes close. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Have you guys not been paying attention? I mean, what more evidence could you want? You know the scriptures, and that you know what they point to, and they point to the Messiah, and that's how it went. You, you have friends who saw the, the empty tomb. You have family who saw the empty tomb. You, you, I'm here. 
Your faith could be so beat up today as you're listening to me that you're literally on the road to Emmaus and Jesus is right there with you and you don't even know it. Forget about what everybody else is saying. What about you and Jesus? I want to pray for us and then we're going to hear from Pastor Todd. Just just pray for a sec. God, I just want to pray for us right now. I know that um, we all have reasons for our faith to be beat up and we all have reasons to be in dark places, and maybe that's where we are today. And even if we've been walking with you for a long time and we did know why we were showing up this weekend and we do believe in the resurrection, Lord, will you just supernaturally open our eyes right now, this weekend? Help us to stay where we're supposed to be and celebrate with who we're supposed to celebrate and let you in and open our eyes and see that you're there. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Growing up in the Midwest, the spring and the summer was a time for storms. It often seemed like the rain was being dumped out of buckets and and the wind would howl and the thunder and lightning would would make an April evening sky start to look kind of like the 4th of July. And as a kid, I loved storms. I would sit on the porch and I would listen to the sounds and I would smell the rain. And even with all of the chaos up in the sky, there was something just so calming about it. Until, that is, until the power went out. I mean, it was all fun and games, right? Until the power went out. When this happened, my dad would go for his flashlight and I would go for mine. His was one of those, you know, big industrial grade like camping lanterns and and mine was nothing more than a little simple plastic toy that I'd received at maybe in a Christmas stocking, you know, months earlier. It had one AAA battery and it took like five minutes later it was already going dim while, while his light burned bright into the night. With my dad's powerful light, we would just sit on the edge of darkness being entertained by the sky until the power was restored. You see, the light is a constant comfort, and when it's gone, the dark that follows can be unnerving. You see, it's one thing to turn the lights off on purpose, and it's a whole other thing to lose power. And that's really what separates the two, right? Light and dark. I mean, it's the power. The power to cause one to affect the other. I know there are some of you out there right now listening to me and and you feel as though you have lost power. At one point your light was going strong and your batteries were holding out and you had weathered some storms and you were still being comforted by the warm glow of the light by your friends or in your own heart or some of your family members. But at one point or another, your batteries died and your sense of control over the dark was lost. I'm sure that's what it looked like to the disciples as they watched their teacher and their friend get crucified on the cross. I mean, they were witnesses to the power of Jesus. They believed they had seen the light. But now, everything just felt so dark. They had likely forgotten the words that Jesus said to them. In John chapter 10, he says, No one takes my life from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received 
from my Father. The authority that Jesus speaks of here means power. And the Greek word is exousia. It means like the power of choice. And the disciples despaired because they had forgot who held the power. They thought dark had the authority, the power over the light. But to their amazement, and just three days later, it would be that exousia, that power, that authority that would cause Jesus to rise from the grave, come back to life, and fulfill his mission. Let's be honest, friends. When we get to Easter, and for many of us, the resurrection is just, you know, kind of a story. That's all it is. And we marvel at it, and it's something we appreciate from a distance, but what is the effect of this story on our daily lives? Listen, you can't go very far into the Christian faith without coming to terms with the resurrection of Jesus. It's an anchor to our faith. But hear me out on this. The difference this Easter is not going to be whether or not you believe in your mind that Jesus was raised from the dead. The difference this Easter is going to be whether or not you live as though the power of Jesus lives in you. In the Bible, in Romans chapter 8, it tells us this. And if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to you and your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. I don't know what kind of storm has knocked out your lights or knocked out some of your faith. But what I do know is this, that you and I can swap out batteries all we want. We can hit the side of this thing, you know, hoping that more light will come out of it all we want. But at some point, we will get to the end of our own power and we will need something that will last. What does Jesus do? He opens the scriptures and he teaches from the scripture. Love this. Beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. They still don't know it's him. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Really important that you understand that. Jesus is like, okay, guys, I'll see you later. Because Jesus will never bust his way into your house, okay? He will never force his way. He will never say, hey, why don't I come in? He, he, he's, he's not going to be forceful. He's not going to be pushy. When they invited him in is when everything changed. And you need to understand that. It's so important. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, he broke it, he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened. There was something supernatural going on, keeping them from knowing who he was, and now they know who he is. Then their eyes were opened when they broke bread together, and they recognized him, and he disappeared. <laughs> he disappeared from their sight again. Okay. So what do you suppose tipped them off? Was it his prayer? Was it an expression on his face? Was it a look in his eyes? Was it just the, the veil that God lifted from them? Or was it that maybe for the first time when Jesus took the bread and broke it, 
they saw his hands. Maybe it was like this picture, little girl saying, Jesus, what happened to your hand? That's my guess. But don't let it be lost on you that nothing happened until they asked him in and they let him be the host of the meal. I don't know when that changed, but somehow they let him in and somehow he became the one to break the bread and to prayer. And then everything changed. Their eyes were open. I, I was reading this, this week about a surgery that, that's been done for a long time to help people who have no sight. And, and I read about Rose Crawford in Ontario, Canada, who at age 50 had this surgery, whatever it was, and, and she, at age 50, finally got to have her eyes open. The tragic thing about the story was that this surgery has been done for 20 years. She spent the last 20 of, the, of her 50 years in blindness unnecessarily. The doctor said it this way, she just figured there was nothing that could be done about her condition. Much of her life could have been different. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened scriptures? When you look back, you can see the things that Jesus has done. So they got up and they went immediately. They returned at once to Jerusalem. They got up at once, okay? Remember, they're, they're, they're on this road. It's a seven-mile road. They're getting to Emmaus. Jesus is there. He goes, I'll see you later. They go, hey, it's getting dark. That's what they said. It's getting dark. Why don't you come in and have dinner with us? They've had dinner with Jesus at least long enough to break the bread. So it's got to be dark. Remember that they're walking in darkness on the road to Emmaus. They're walking downcast. It's dark. Even, even if the sun's shining, it didn't matter out here because they were down. And then they realize that Jesus is alive and it's dark outside, but they go all the way back to Jerusalem anyway. Why is that? Because the hope of the resurrected Jesus changes everything. The hope of the resurrected Jesus means darkness doesn't matter anymore. Listen, maybe your family drug you here this Easter. No church, no ham, something like that. I don't know. Welcome. We, we love you. Okay. Maybe your spouse has been telling you all the different things that Jesus is doing in their life and they begged you to come and Cleo, we're glad you're here. Just, just understand this. The two of them went back and told them what had happened on the road and how Jesus was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus pops back in again. He's just having fun, man. He pops back in and says, peace to you. Because the hope of the resurrected Jesus changes everything. Everything. These two guys are on this dark path in their mind. They're downcast. They're bummed out. Things aren't going the way that they think they ought to. Jesus shows up. They, what do they do? Immediately run back to the people they should have been hanging out with in the first place, and they all share their stories, and Jesus shows up again. That's what the resurrection does. Frank Clements was an Air Force pilot during World War II. Everybody was so proud of him. You know, they'd sent him off. Everybody was praying for him. But they got that faithful message one day, like so many uh, towns did. Big Springs, Texas is where he was from. They got the message he'd been shot down over the English Channel. And following several days of waiting, a telegram, another telegram came saying that Frank had been killed in action, but that the body had not been recovered. 
So the town of Big Springs, Texas, true story, has a big memorial service for Frank, empty casket in the church, a rose, you know, the flag, the whole thing. Only problem was the two Frank Clemenses were shot down over the English Channel, and the one from Big Springs, Texas survived. Nobody, nobody caught it. So as he's recouping in the hospital, they're like, you might as well go home, go on leave, take a break. So he decides he's going to go home not knowing that everybody thinks he's dead. Not realizing that his parents have incorrect information, true story. And he decided not to call them because he thought it would be fun to surprise them. You can't make this stuff up, true story. So he took a ship to New York, a train to Dallas, a Greyhound to Big Springs, Texas. He gets off the bus. He walks to his house because it's a small town. He doesn't see anybody he knows along the way. He goes to his house as he's telling the story. He goes to his house. He he knows his dad's going to be in the shop in the back. So he goes and his dad's doing something. And so he just stands and watches him for a little while. And then finally he said, "I, I finally just said, Dad. And the old man froze. He said, I said it a little louder, Dad. And his dad turned around, and there was his resurrected son. Now, Frank still doesn't know that his dad thought he was dead, right? He said, he gave me a hug, and he held on for a really, really, really long time. And then he let go of me, didn't say anything. He just ran out the door and started running up and down the streets. He's alive! He's alive! He's alive! Frank said he told the whole town of Big Springs, Texas, before he even told Mama. <laughs> That's the message of Easter. Jesus died on the cross. He sacrificed, paid the penalty for our sin. He came back to life, conquering death once and for all. And when we get that, then we're back over on this road again. He promised that if we let him come in and be the host of the meal, that that we have, the Bible says, we have hope. We have the hope born again into a life full of hope through Christ rising from the dead. A life full of hope of hope. It's why you're here this weekend. Not, not, not hopeless, not even hopeful, hope-filled. I think it's different. Somebody said life without Jesus is a hopeless end, and life with Jesus is an endless hope. Doesn't matter if you're 80, doesn't matter what age you are, doesn't matter what's going on, Jesus and his resurrection, they change everything. And I don't think it's a coincidence that their eyes were opened when they broke bread. Let me, let me read it for you again. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And then, you see that? Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Something supernatural happened when they broke bread. And it can happen today. It will happen today. I'm asking you to let Jesus in and break bread with him. Paul said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm 100% sure that you can have that experience today. Jesus loved breaking bread. That was a time of intimacy and blessing. He broke bread with these guys on the road to Emmaus. He broke bread at the Last Supper, explaining what was going to happen. He broke bread after the resurrection with Peter and the disciples on the beach. It was this time of fellowship and and beautiful intimacy together, and we're going to have that together. And I just need to tell you, we do communion here every week as a church, but it's never more special than Easter weekend. 
It represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to be from Parkview. If you're a believer, we're going to pass these trays in front of you. Take both cups out and hold them, and we're going to commune together. But I want to pray before we do that. And if maybe it's been a while or maybe you don't know if Jesus has ever been invited into your house, if you've ever done that, I'm going to give you a chance to pray with me. Let's do it together. Lord, for those of us who... uh, who've done this before and we believe the story. This is my 28th time to tell the Easter story at this church, and it never gets old to me, but I forget in the meantime sometimes the power of the resurrection. Sometimes I start using my own batteries on my own little flashlight, and I forget that you are the light. So be with us today and come and fill us right now as we break bread together. And Lord, there, there are people listening to me right now who need to, need to just invite you in. Maybe they did, maybe they don't remember if they did, maybe they never have, it doesn't matter. But right now they know they need to pray and invite you in. And I just want to encourage you to knock very loudly and, and, and spark something inside of them. And people, if you want to pray this with me, you can do this in your heart. Just pray this with me. Jesus, I want you to come in. I want you to be the host of the meal. I want to break bread together with you. I want you to be the one that's in charge. I want you to be my Lord. I need you to be, and I accept you to be my Savior. I need your death on the cross to mean in my life that I'm freed from my sin. And I need the fact that you rose again on Easter Sunday morning to mean that I will rise again in that day when this body is done, but also that I will have that same power inside of me. I accept that. I believe that today. For all of us, we pray these things in the name of Jesus.